Good morning. Today's uh, reading is from Psalm 139. Okay, Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the passion of this psalm, this song, this this poetry. We just pray that you would lead us through it and help us to understand it, help us to to learn from. We pray that you would grow our own prayer life, our own worship life, grow our relationship with you through our time together in this word. We just commit this time to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
I lived in my college town of Davis for six years, were there for, was there for four years in undergrad, and then I had my first job at a church where I led a college ministry for a couple of years. And after having spent six years in this place where I knew you know, hundreds of people, college students, families, I'd, I'd, I'd felt settled, uh, Joy and I had gotten married one year before, and we moved down to a new place, to Pasadena, where I went to grad school and was, was studying at Fuller Seminary. And I remember walking around the campus. I was surrounded by people, and uh, I felt lonely. And it was a surprising, surprising feeling. I was like, what, what, is, what is this feeling? What is this that I'm experiencing? I'm walking around. There's this exciting place, all these great people around me. And uh, I just feel this strange experience of, of loneliness. And what I realized is the people around me don't know me. I had gotten used to having been in a place for six years and, 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 and surrounded by people that, that knew me, that interaction with me, that I was used to interacting with people and there was a certain kind of like familiarity. You walk into a room that people know you and they, they look at you and their face responds, oh, oh, you're here. And it's either a good thing or a bad thing, but it's something, Right? But you move to a new place and it's just, you just pass by. There's no recognition. There's no familiarity. And I remember having experiences in which, you know, something is uh, taking place. And I'm thinking in, in, in the place where I was from, where I was known, oh, they'd be like, oh, Matt, that's like a huge thing for you. Like, do you have something to say or do you want to help with that? But there's just no knowledge of that. So it just passes by. And it's a strange experience to just be in a new place and be unknown. I've had that experience a number of times in life, moving to a new town or a new country where I don't know people. It's just this, this lonely experience. They don't know me. Have you had this experience? I think loneliness actually pervades our life for a lot of us, even when we live in the same place for a long time. Did you know you could be lonely in a crowd? Did you know you could be lonely as a student at school, surrounded by other students? or in an office cubicle surrounded by colleagues that you've known for years. You can be lonely in a family. You can be lonely in a marriage. Loneliness comes from not being truly known or not being truly embraced. And I think for some of us, we actually maintain our loneliness on purpose. It's not the whole extent. There's lots of other things. But at least one thing that we do is we hide parts of ourselves from other people for fear. If they knew that part of me, if I let them get too close, they might what? They might not approve. They might not like what they see. They might reject me, right? And one fear that we all carry, which is more powerful within us than our fear of loneliness, is our fear of rejection. So we hold people at arm's length and say, well, I might be lonely, but ha ha, at least you can't reject me. At least I won't be vulnerable to that greater, that greater wound of rejection. And so we live our lives holding parts back, 
covering up parts of us, holding people at a distance. We live our lives with some level of this loneliness and this isolation out of our own fears and our own insecurities. Psalm 139 is a psalm of David, and David, King David, knew what it was like to be lonely, to be betrayed, to be rejected, to be isolated, to be misunderstood. David knows what it's like to hide in a cave because people are trying to kill him. His best friend's dad, King Saul, tried it. His own son tried it. And so out of this experience and out of this deep life experience full of wounds, we have this psalm, this song, this, this poem, this, this prayer. And it has sort of these five movements that I want to walk you through. The first three of them are all this deep, profound, poetic reflection on just how well God knows us. It's such a marked contrast this isolation that I think so many of us feel. And it, it, it holds fast for us, it holds up for us the, the kind of intimate relationship that's possible with our maker. Let's go back, look at it in verse one. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. We often, when we think of God, we think about omniscience, meaning, meaning God knows everything, but we think about that in general. Oh, God knows everything in the world. You know, God knew who was going to win the mega millions before it was drawn, right? I know some of you, that's still a sore subject for you. This is something more specific that, than that. It's specifically uh, a tender prayer reflecting on God's complete knowledge of the one offering the prayer. Lord, you, know who, you, know who, you who know everything, you know everything about me. And when we pray this, we can claim this for our own. Oh Lord, you, you know me. And you know me completely. You see everything I do. You see everything that I think. You know the words, my own words, before I even speak them. So how does that make you feel <laughs> to know that God knows you completely? And God knows everything about you. I think a lot of us, we have a little bit of a mixed response, don't we? Right? It means God knows that movie that we watched on Netflix yesterday. It, knows, it means that God knows that website we visited a month ago. It means God heard the name we called that terrible driver who cut us off on the freeway. It means God knows all the thoughts that we play within our minds. It's a little bit uncomfortable to consider that we're fully known. But I think also it's got to be a bit of a relief. Have you ever carried a secret inside of you and it kind of ate you up? Uh, and it, it, it takes a lot of uh, energy. It, it actually can be kind of a crushing thing to carry a secret. You feel like, oh my gosh, no one can know this or else, you know. And then sometimes if someone finds out, it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed, but ah. Uh, there's some freedom, there's some hope, there's some new light into my life. And hopefully there's this sense of relief. You know what? I don't have to hide from God. It's impossible to hide 
from God. He knows everything, the good and the bad. And the impossibility of hiding from God is, is the next part of the reflection in the psalm. So we're gonna look at that in 139 verse seven, the impossibility of hiding from God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my depths, my bed in the depths, you are there. This is like a Sheol, like the place of the dead. If I was to hide in the grave, like God could find me there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, this is the farthest the psalmist can imagine. If I, if I were to cross the ocean and settle over the horizon, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, well, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. Right, this is the inescapability of God. Just a few days ago, I watched uh, this part of a show about a, about a bounty hunter, okay? Anybody ever seen one of those? And it was just this interesting like, a moment where the bounty hunter finds his prey, this guy that had skipped you know, bail and you know, was, was kind of uh, hiding from the law, and the bounty hunter, he had him. Right, and, uh, and the guy, you watch the guy's mind is just spinning with all the possibilities of escape. It's like, Joe, I'm not Joe, I don't, even, I don't even know anyone named Joe, which is obviously a lie because we all know someone named Joe, okay? The guy's like, oh really, you look just like the picture on the photograph of your driver's license, you know? He's like, oh, okay, well. So then he tries to get into his truck and drive away, but the bounty hunter's already thought of that and boxed in the vehicle, right? Tries to run, he tries to go back to work, he, he tries to fight him with karate, like everything he tries, right? And nothing works. The bounty hunter and his team have thought of everything, he's boxed in, and we as the viewer are just shouting at the TV, just give up, dude, he's got you. You're gonna have to face the judge, there's no way out. And there's at least some part of David who's thinking like this, like, if I were to try to run from God, it would be a total joke because God's everywhere and he'll find me. And anywhere I was to go, he specifically says he's up in heaven, he's down the depths, he's on the far side of the horizon. He even specifically reflects on God having night vision. <laughs> he could see me in the dark. Just plain silly to try to run from God. So the only logical thing to do is to surrender to it. Oh God, you're there. But the imagery that David writes here is not an imagery of there you have me. If I were to run from you, there you would arrest me. You would tase me. You would handcuff me. You would take me before the judge. It's very different actually. This is what he says, if I, this is in verse nine and 10. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It's telling us we cannot outrun God's love. Like we can't run beyond God's ability to help us. Beyond God's guidance, beyond God's sustaining power. He has a picture of him hiding from God and there, God finding him and helping him and guiding him. I don't know if you've ever had an experience of someone loving you even when you fail. 
Even when you're caught, even when something, you, you, you just mess something up and then someone just still loves you and guides you through it. This would be just a taste of the love of God. And this third movement, beginning in verse 13, I think takes it to even, even more tender place, reflecting on the creation of the person. Verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. Some translations say, my kidneys. <laughs> you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The psalm is so profound and tender here. You, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Like, think about the picture that it gives us there. It's an unbelievable picture. Like God Almighty, the creator of the, the heavens and the earth, the, the, the God who spoke and galaxies flew into being, that same God, it pictures him with knitting needles inside a mother's womb, carefully putting together a child that he wants to exist. I think this is one of the most beautiful and tender descriptions of God in the entire Bible. And reflecting on this care of God, we see in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some, some translations uh, render this uh, awesomely. You know, you, you, you did an awesome, incredible job in making me. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He says, I praise you, God, because you did a good job when you made me. All right, now this is a profound prayer that I think we struggle to pray because we have something the ancients didn't have. We have a mirror. How many people have a mirror in your house? Okay, so numbers of you. Okay, so I see myself every day in a mirror, and so do you. And the world has taught us to look into this mirror, and what do we see? In fact, what are we searching for when we're looking in the mirror? What is it? Could be. What's that? Yeah, we're, I think a lot of us are looking for pimples. Okay? Do I have any surgeries I need to perform today? Right? We're, we're looking at, is there a hair out of place? We're looking for flaws. We're looking for blemishes. We're looking for, did I button my buttons in the right order? You know? Do I have toothpaste on my lip? You know, we're, we're uh, you know... Is it time to trim the nose hairs? I mean, this is the kind of thing that we're doing in the mirror, right? And, we're, and, I, and for me, I, I shave every morning. And did I, did I remember to get the little piece here that my dad always missed, that I was always embarrassed and swore I would never would, right? And, and, but, but some of us, when we look in the mirror, a lot of us, uh, we look and, and we don't like what we see. 
and we say, golly, golly, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm putting on some weight, you know? <laughs> I, I, see, I seem, seem to be that I'm losing weight in my biceps and, and, and adding it to my belly. Seems like my hair is moving south to retire, you know? Like a, we see these things and we just, and we're pained by what we see. We don't, we don't like what we see, right? And it's just another one of those things that isolates us. We, we, we think, you know what, there's something about me that's not that, not that good, not that lovable. I should, I should hide it, I should cover it up, and I should isolate, okay? But this psalm teaches us a different way. It teaches us to look in the mirror and say, whoa, <laughs> God made that. God makes good things, and God made that. I praise God because God did a good job making me. I want to, I think we need to learn this. So I'm going to ask you to say something to the person next to you, okay? I want you to find someone nearby. I want you to say, hey, God made me. All right, go for it. Try it. Turn around. There's no one next to you. All right, now I want you to tell them. I want you to look at the person. I don't say, hey, check it out. God gave me hands. Come on, I know it sounds dumb. Tell him, right? And then do this. You're going to sound really crazy, all right? You're looking to be like, check this out. I can move them with my mind. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, we can move our fingers with our minds. Like, think about all the stuff we can do because we have opposable thumbs. Like, we can type, we can pick up fork, we can cook, we can move. It's amazing. We breathe without even thinking about it, right? Whatever hair I have, <laughs> it just grows. I didn't have to make it grow. Like God made our bodies with unbelievable capacity and they're working and they were, our legs brought us into the church today. We made it, right? I wonder, I wonder if you would actually say this to somebody. I think they need to hear it. Because you turn to them. It's not a pickup line, what you're about to say. It's an encouragement. I want you to tell somebody you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Would you do that? Okay, now, I just want you to repeat after me because I want to hear you say it. I am, now, when, just to be clear, you're not going to say you, Matt. You're going to say about yourself, okay? Repeat after me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise God because how he made me. He didn't have one of me, but he wanted one, so he made me. Amen? God knows you thoroughly. Knows everything about you. Knows every bad thing he ever did and loves you, and wants you to exist, and wants you to be in intimate relationship with him from your full self, amen? Now, many people say that this would be the most beautiful psalm in the Bible. It would rival the 23rd Psalm if only it had stopped here <laughs> and didn't go on to the next verse. But it did, and so I want to show you 
It also reveals, you know, something about us. Here we go. We're going to go to the next verse in verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. (laughs) Isn't that a sharp turn? Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Whoa! Doesn't that feel like such a turn, right? But I think there's a lot of examining going on in the scripture. Oh, Lord, you search me, search me, you know me. But the author of the psalm is also doing some searching. And he's seeing some people around them. And he's thinking, the world would be better without those people. Oh, God. Wouldn't you just kill them? Wow. Okay. I recently finally watched the movies, uh, the Avenger movies, uh, the Infinity War and Endgame. Have you seen these? This whole, the whole premise is there's these five like magical infinity stones and if they get together in one fist, it allows someone to snap their fingers and they can make people just disappear. Okay, all right, let's roll with this premise. Suppose you had the infinity stones. Who would you snap out of existence? <laughs> Who would you do? It's a good thing I don't have them because sometimes when I'm driving... I swear, sometimes when I'm driving, there's these people, and if I, I, I in a moment I could do, I, I could see myself snapping, and I'm so glad God doesn't give me that power. I'm so glad God doesn't uh, always jump in and answer these kind of prayers when they, when they erupt from us, but any examination of ourself, I think, needs to acknowledge that we have this tendency, oh Lord, Lord, my, my neighbor who has that political sign in the front lawn that I really disagree with. Oh, Lord, would you just... Wouldn't we be better off if you just snapped your fingers? Oh, God. Now, I think we all have this instinct, and I think that it's, at least some of it comes from real place of pain. The faults of other people can cause great harm to us, and there is that longing, oh, God, for justice. Oh, God, would you... Would you, would you bring us to a place and time where, where these people aren't doing these horrible things? And we do long for the fullness of the kingdom of God when God does snap his fingers and, and evil will be no more and there will be justice on the earth. And we long, of course, for that day. But for now, there's an interesting pivot back. So this, 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 the, the, the psalm goes from this searching of self and God working in us and it, and it moved towards this flare of, oh God, people have hurt me, people have hurt you. Would you, just, would you just kind of purge the earth of evil? But then it pivots back to introspection and watch how it pivots back because in the absence of the opportunity to purge the earth of evil, he says, okay, well, would you purge me? Would you purge me? And we see this in verse 23. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me 
and lead me in the way everlasting. O God who sees all, (laughs) O God who I couldn't possibly hide from or escape from, O God who knit me when I was in my mother's womb because you wanted me to exist, would you search me and, and find all those things in me that are imperfect? You know about them, my anxiety, he specifically names, my death wishes on my neighbor, my offensive ways. Would, would, you, would, would you find those out, Lord, with your, with your searchlight? And would you bring healing? Would you bring wholeness? Would you kind of clean those parts of me out and make me more holy and righteous before you that I might walk in your everlasting way? I want to close with a, a challenge and uh, an illustration for you. My, um, my youth pastor, when I was maybe junior high or high school, you know, I had this incredible uh, image that, uh, that he shared with me about what it means when you spend time in the word, uh, in prayer and Bible study. He said, when you open your Bible, it's like you're opening a searchlight into your soul. And when you open the word, it's like, it's like shining a light at you. And we read words in there and we say, oh, oh, that's, that's in me. That's, that's in my head. That's in, that's in my heart. And then as, we, as the Bible finds it through the word of God and, and we see a description of holiness and righteousness and, the, and justice and the right way to live in the word, we see the difference between that and us and a tender God uses it to search us out and find all those places within us and then let us let them go and live as children of the light. So I have this encouragement for you. I have this challenge for you to to consider, okay? I'd like you to think about how much time you invest every day, perhaps in front of a mirror, um, preparing your body and your face. How much time do you invest in smelling nice, in shaving and doing your hair or makeup or whatever it is? How much time do you invest in preparing your face and your body for your day? And would you consider possibly matching that time with time with the Lord, preparing your heart for the day and your mind for the day? Oh God, I'm about to go out into the world. And would you help me not just look good, but would you help me to be good, to be, to be loving, to be righteous, to, to live according to your ways, to bless the people around you, to, to take a stand for you. Would, you. would you search me, oh God, and lead me in your ways this day? I think that if we all, uh, if we all start adding that to our days, praying this psalm, doing some self-reflection, I think we will see God work like we never have before. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this amazing, amazing psalm. We pray that we could sing it, that we could, that we could pray it, that we could live it, oh God. 
Thank you that you made us and you made us, you made us good, oh God. Lord, thank you that you know us and you love us anyway. Lord, be with us, search us, and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us in worship today. If any of you would like prayer for any reason, we're gonna have some folks up here and, and you can just come on up and we'd love to, uh, to pray for you. Um, we also invite you just, hey, hang out in the patio, uh, join us, fellowship with each other, and we hope to see you all next week for the, the church picnic. Hear now this benediction or this, this blessing. And now may the God who knows and sees all see you. And may you welcome his sight. May you grow in your relationship with your maker. May you be able to praise him for all that he has made in you. May he search your heart and lead you in his ways now and forever. Amen.